1: Welcome each and every one of you this morning in this place. Welcome to College Mennonite Church. I also want to welcome those who are listening via radio, who are watching via telecast, and those who are watching via the web. Now I want you to join me to the call to worship. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. La salvación viene de nuestro Dios, que está sentado en el trono y del cordero. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and and ever. Amen. Amen. La alabanza, la gloria, la sabiduría, la acción de gracia, la honra, el poder, la fortaleza son de nuestro Dios por los siglos de los siglos. Amén.
2: Please turn in your blue hymnal to number 55. Cantemos al Señor. Uh, Sing uh, the verses in whatever language you are comfortable, English or Spanish, and we'll sing the chorus in Spanish. Let's stand if you're able.
1: As we turn our attention to prayers of the people, this morning we will be praying for Geraldine. She has to present herself to immigration court on Thursday. This is a decisive moment for her and her family. So we want to raise her up in prayer this morning. We also want to keep in mind many of our church family members here, they're recovering either from what we may consider in the list of illnesses, a cold, to some others who are recovering from surgeries. And we'll pray for our community and our nation. So join me in prayer. Father, I come before you in Christ's name. According to scripture, you have said that if if we ask anything and if we believe that you hear us, that we shall have according to our request. And therefore, together, we ask you for Geraldine as she gets ready to present herself to immigration court come Thursday. We pray that whoever represents her would be well equipped, well versed in manners of law. We pray for the presiding judge to have a good morning that you would put her in grace. You know that this is a decision that could be a blessing or can bring hardship to this family. We ask from the trip from here to Chicago and back, we pray your safety upon them. We also present to you many among us who are recovering in different ways, We also ask for those who carry pain, sorrow, sadness. They've kept it to themselves. They've not shared it with no one but you. We put that in your hands because you, Lord, are concerned for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter how small and insignificant the matter may seem. You care for everyone. We pray for our community and we ask for you to continue to bless CMC as we engage this community in different ways. Bless your people. We ask for our nation. You know our condition down here. You understand our challenges. You understand the different ideas people hold on to, and often we love our ideas, Lord, more than we love people. But we ask that your church may rise up and behave accordingly. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and we say, Amen.
2: Please turn in your blue hymnals to number 397, God Loves All His Many People, number 397. And children, you can come forward for the children's story.
3: our last sunday of this series we've had about the family of god and after this begins lent so on wednesday we will have an ash wednesday service and all of you are invited to come and be part of that there are even things like making things with play-doh and blowing bubbles that are part of that ash wednesday service so all of you are invited to come and join that as we begin lent but for today We want to kind of look back at what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. There's a scripture passage that we learned together on the first day of this series from Matthew 12. It says, Jesus, uh, pointing to his disciples, said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother So who's Jesus saying your brothers and sisters are? Can you point to who that might be? Use your fingers to point. Who might your brothers and sisters be? Yeah, what about these people? Those people too? Can you all point to who your brothers and sisters might be? Yeah. And then we've talked about how in the family of God we take care of each other, and we talked about the widow who gave her offering and that we too can give to God. And last week we helped with baby Mia's dedication, and we promised to be her brothers and sisters as she grows up. Well, today I brought something along I'd like us to look at. This is a blanket that our church family made together, and we made it about a year and a half ago. Lots and lots of people from our church family worked on this together, and it's a pretty important blanket that reminds us that we are the family of God. Daniel, can you come here? Daniel, I think you are pretty important. Um. I mean, you're a grown-up, you've been a pastor for like 15 years, Um, he's also like, you know, pretty tall, I don't know, maybe that makes him important, Phil, does that, maybe, oh, okay, Um, and I know you're pretty warm-blooded, but it still seems like this blanket might suit you, do you enjoy having that blanket on?
4: Yeah, I do feel kind of important with it, yeah.
3: Yeah, there, we'll just give him all the love of the church family, right? No? Why not? Why not? It's nice and warm. Isn't he important? He is important, but then what's the problem? Who else is important? All important. We all are important. So how can just he be important. We all are important, so how can just he be important? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? So what's a better option? What's, what should we do with the blanket? Yeah? We share it? Okay, let's try sharing it. Daniel, I'm going to... It's gonna, plenty warm. I'm it's warm. okay. <laughs> I think he's actually okay with not getting all of it. All right, let's gather around it. Now, CMC, I think we need to make a bigger blanket. All right, can we each get a little piece of that blanket? Yep, get a little toe under it, get a finger on it come gather there's actually a lot of space over here by me and I won't bite you okay that's okay you don't have to either all right you want to come in come on over here come here Briggs come on over here all right our church gives a lot of blankets don't we we give you blankets when you're dedicated sometimes when something happens in your family we might give you a prayer shawl And blankets are a way that we remember that we are covered in the love of our church family. And that love from our church family is the love of God that is shared with us through our church family. So we're going to say a a blanket prayer together, okay? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the family gathered around this blanket and in this sanctuary and beyond. We each are made in your image and we are all important members of your family. Help us to see that in each other. Help us to treat each other with dignity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you may get worship bags and go back to your seats.
2: Please turn to the insert in your bulletin, take my life and let it be. For those of you who want to follow the roadmap on the paper, the first half is the refrain, the second half are the verses, which will then be replaced by the numbered verses along the bottom. Uh, At this point, you are welcome to use Spanish if you'd like to, but uh, since we're just learning it, we'll concentrate on the English today.
1: This morning, the preacher is Phil Waite, pastoral team leader. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Phil. Thank you for his life as he consistently searches out your soul so that he may speak to our souls. Bless him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Gracias.
4: The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. You. Our scripture this morning is found in Mark, the 12th chapter, beginning in, with verse 38. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. The Word of the Lord. The scribes uh, in Mark's Gospel uh, come in for some especially rough treatment. The different Gospels mention different categories of people. Uh, with whom Jesus uh, finds a lot of tension. And in Mark's gospel, it's the scribes. The categories are, might be familiar to you, you might have heard these names before, scribes, lawyers, Pharisees, and Sadducees. Each one of these is described in the gospels as sparring with Jesus. And I'd like to spend a little time unpacking what each one of these categories represents. Who are these people that seem to be antagonistic uh, towards Jesus and to whom Jesus seems to be antagonistic back? So let's start with uh, two categories that are are somewhat fixed. The the Sadducees and the Pharisees. These are two, uh, two schools of thought Two schools of theology, you might say, or two traditions within Judaism that were prominent among the elite. The ruling classes of Judea and of Israel had Pharisees and Sadducees. And I'm not going to, they they don't figure too prominently in here. I'd like to just say that the Sadducees were the higher kind of priestly, uh, ruling elite. They were the aristocracy. And the Pharisees... Tended to be more of a more of a, a school, a school of theology uh, within the temple bureaucracy and with the the the, uh, the religious apparatus of of Judaism. The lawyers lawyers could be Pharisees and could be Sadducees, as could scribes, and a scribe could be a lawyer, and a lawyer could be a scribe. So, there, so those, those are uh, more porous kinds of uh, categories. Lawyers were concerned with the law, with, the, with the, uh, the Jewish law, the Hebrew law, and how it should be applied in the daily life of the people. The scribes were also concerned with the law and, and often were in positions to adjudicate, to act as judges, in particular cases. The scribes were also uh, the accountants. They were the ones who kept the books and had an enormous amount of say in how money was spent. Remember that in this society, in first century Israel, a very, very tiny portion of the population was literate. They couldn't read and they couldn't write and they couldn't do basic mathematics. So if you were a scribe, that put you uh, in a position of a great deal of power. You could read and you could write and you could do arithmetic. And that, that gave you power over other people and gave you access to the resources of the community that other people didn't have. The other thing to note uh, about these categories is that these are all part of the ruling classes of Israel these are the, these are the power powerful people very small category of elite rulers in Judaism in the 1st century and part of the dynamic is that they they had a the the the, the temple the the power the temple power had a, a kind of semi autonomy we might say Rome, the Roman Empire, controlled uh, Palestine, controlled Judea, and was the ruling power, but they devolved, if you will. They gave power over local many local issues and concerns to the ruling elite in Jerusalem. So these are, these are different categories. And this, of course, Jesus is from Galilee, and he uh, has come to Jerusalem already. This is after the triumphal entry. He's in Jerusalem during this time and he's encountering the scribes. Now in Mark's gospel also, when Jesus, Jesus encounters the scribes in Galilee, they're often reported, reported as having come from Jerusalem. So these are the, the Jerusalem elite, the ruling authorities, the powerful people with whom Jesus spars. It's also important to say that in first century, uh, Judaism, at least the early part of the first century, the time that Jesus lived, to speak of Judaism is to speak of something that's uh, that's unfixed. We, when we think of Judaism, we think of we think of uh, synagogues and rabbis and and institutions that exist in our day and uh, an identity that might exist in our day or various kinds of identity: Orthodox, uh, Reformed, Conservative, and so on. These categories didn't exist. Judaism was very fluid. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible didn't exist. It wasn't fixed yet. The canon wasn't formed. You had multiple traditions that people knew either in an oral sense or if you were a scribe, if you could read and write in a written sense. So the, the, There were competing and differing traditions within first century Israel. And and they were, so you, you might have Jesus saying, I, I'm, I'm kind of right, this is where I'm at in this tradition. And somebody else might say, this is where I'm at. So a lot of the dialogue going on between, or the arguing even, if you will, going on among these different groups is about traditions. And they're arguing about which ones uh, are more important than others. So when Jesus, when the question comes, uh, What's the most most important uh, law, uh, what's the most important teaching in the law, uh, that's a a real live debate at this particular time. So a lot of the arguing going on between the scribes and Jesus, between the Pharisees and Jesus, between the Sadducees and Jesus, between the lawyers and Jesus, is related to these differing traditions and competing traditions. Jesus emphasizes in his teaching the traditions in the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew traditions that emphasize, that that lift up care of widows and orphans and foreigners. And this is a text that mentions widows. The scribes are devouring widows' houses. They're using their power and their resources as scribes, as literate people, to harm widows and to enrich themselves at the expense of widows. So Jesus goes back and he looks at the traditions the israelite traditions the hebrew traditions and he says care of the widow doing justice for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner are central to what it means to be a child of god so repeatedly if you look at our look at the old testament today you will see, repeatedly see some version you'll see around 100 times some version of widow orphan, and stranger appears as being central to living out the life of faith. A book that's a marvelous study of the intersection of these is the book of Ruth. I, encourage, I commend the book of Ruth to you. Don't read it alone. Read it with other people. But commend the book of Ruth to you as uh, paying attention to these concerns for the orphan and the widow and the foreigner. So why 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 are the orphan and the widow and the foreigner held up for requiring special care within the Hebrew Bible and by Jesus? Well, it has to do with family. I'll repeat that. It has to do with family. Widows are marginal because their husbands have died And their husbands are their recourse to resources, to the land. Without their husbands, they have no family to care for them or to support them, especially if they don't have children. They're alone. They have nobody. Orphans, obviously, don't have family. They've lost their parents. They're alone. They require, they depend on the community to support them and to care for them and to give them the resources that they need to live. And in the same way, the foreigners, those coming into the community, don't have family within the community, and they don't have land. They are vulnerable because they don't have the family connections that they need to survive. So for Jesus, and indeed for these traditions within the Hebrew Bible, caring for the orphan and the widow and the foreigner are central. And an identity, an understanding of community that reaches out and includes people who maybe aren't part of your family. A redefinition, if you will, of what family means. As Jesus points forward to the church, as Jesus calls the church into being, and as the church begins to live in the power of the Spirit, they realize that the most important social unit, the most important social glue that we have is not our family connections, our biological, necessarily, family connections, or adoptive family connections, but the bond that we have together in Christ. And this gets reflected, this idea of family that emerges in Jesus This idea of caring for everyone in the community is expressed in the book of Acts in chapters 2 and chapter 4 by what we call the community of goods. This has been very important to Mennonites and Anabaptist groups. All the resources that people had was put into a common treasury, and given to each one as they had need. It's the opposite of devouring widows' houses. It's caring for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner. And it's the Holy Spirit that animates this, that brings this new community, this new family to life and to being. We can look at groups like the Hutterites or the Bruderhof or the movement uh, in the 50s and 60s of, of, of Mennonite churches like Reba Place Fellowship or New Creation or Fellowship of a Hope or Plow Creek in Iowa and other places that tried to live according to this model, tried to be family in a different kind of way it's hard it's hard to make a community of diverse people a family function like a family function like a household in a new kind of way and I don't necessarily uh, recommend that people develop a common treasury I'm not sure in the kind kind of economy that we live in our day that's the way to go. But I do believe deeply that if we are not to devour widows' houses, at least even inadvertently, we need to consciously think about sharing of ourselves with others across diversity. We need to constantly think about redefining what it means to be family. Uh. Almost four years ago now This is hard to believe This congregation College Mennonite Church Entered into a period of discernment Of strategic discernment We prayed That the Holy Spirit would guide us And lead us In discerning strategic priorities For our congregation That would become a focus for us What would we give ourselves to in the years that follow? And among uh, three priorities that emerged, two, I want to focus on two this morning. One is the language that we will embrace diversity. We discerned that this is what we will do. We will embrace diversity. And a second one is related, I think. We will, out of our diversity, build unity and community. These are ambitious priorities. This is hard work. And we didn't just talk the talk. We walked the walk. And we put our resources into this vision. One of the things that we did is we developed a welcoming statement, which you can read in your bulletin, if you care to, in English and Spanish, reflecting our understanding of diversity, that we are going to love everybody who God sends to us, who God calls to be a part of us, no matter what. We are going to do that. But we didn't stop there. We engaged in a capital campaign. We raised funds And we decided, we discerned as a congregation at a congregational meeting that we were going to use a substantial portion of those funds, more than 25%, to call pastors of community outreach or Spanish-speaking ability to reach out to our community and express our desire to embrace diversity, to express our hospitality to welcome the foreigner, if you will, into our midst. And we didn't stop there. We actually did that. We actually called David and Madeline to be pastors of community outreach at our congregation using these resources. And David and Madeline have been with us for about a year and a half at this point in time, one year and almost one year and eight months, to be precise. At the end of this month, one year and eight months. We have invested in that hard work. And I remember when we did that, when we, when we made those decisions, like, oh boy, here we go. This is going to be hard work. And as a leader, I thought, do we, do we really know how hard this work is? And it's going to be really hard for me and my role as a pastor at college, but tonight to lead in this direction. It's hard. It's challenging work. And it doesn't stop. This work doesn't stop. It's challenging for each one of us and asks things from each one of us. God has blessed Our faith we discerned that God is calling us to this ministry we discerned that together in faith that the Holy Spirit would bless our faithfulness would bless what we had done would bless our decision and the Holy Spirit has blessed us we are becoming more diverse More children, more young families, more uh, culturally diverse, more socioeconomically diverse. We are a different congregation than we were when we made this decision to go in this particular direction. Here we are. Today, for lunch, at lunch, we are having what we're calling a new attendees luncheon. And that is, that, that is all those who are new, who become, started coming to College Mennonite Church, attending within the last year. And that number is 43 people who are able to come to the lunch. It's not everybody who's new in the last year, but it's everybody who's able to come to lunch today. And I've been instructed to say that if you're new and you would like to come, even if you've just come today, uh, you're welcome to join us if there will be plenty of food. I've been told that, so I trust that that's true. I haven't actually inspected that, investigated that myself, but I trust that that's true. Please come and join us. God has blessed us, and that group of new attendees is going to look like the diversity we've claimed we want to embrace. Thanks be to God. There should be Amen. And it has been the open hearts of this congregation that have made this possible. Uh, Pastor David a few weeks ago said that the Holy Spirit can bring people together, but the people have to say yes to each other. And you said yes, no matter who you are whether you're a new attendee or whether you've been here for 30 years, in some way you have said yes by your presence in this space. I want to close with a story. A family. Family lunch like today. Um, but another another lunch. every Every year now for how many years at christmas joe how many years has it been eight years maybe joe uh, springer and joanne brandt have hosted here at the church a christmas dinner for anybody who wants to come and i i don't know how many of you have been have had the opportunity to come to that um, it's one of, the high, one of my favorite parts of our church life in a given year. I wasn't able to attend this year because I was in Kansas uh, for a family Christmas. But I missed it, and I kept thinking, oh, I wish I could be there. It's family. It's the family of God. It's the people of God together. It's College of Mennonite Church in all its diversity. And some people bring extended families. They come as extended families together and share together in the joy of celebrating our Lord's birth. And sometimes it's just one person who doesn't have anybody else who comes. And we're all together as family. One people of God. This last year, and an, I'm not going to say names because I haven't asked permission to tell this story um, using names. But it's a good story. A man, member of College Mennonite Church, uh, was talking to his neighbor. His neighbor, um, who has lived lived in the United States for uh, many years, but is an immigrant, and. He asked, what are you doing for Christmas? Well, I don't have any plans for Christmas. Well, why don't you come with me to my church? We have Christmas dinner. When are you, you and your family come. Well, he didn't, I mean, he just asked the invitation. He didn't know it would happen. But his neighbor came. His family came. And they've been coming ever since. That is embracing diversity. That is welcome. That is the family of God. Amen.
2: Let's respond to Phil's words with Sing the Story number 60. Come to me, come to us. Number 60. Uh, The melody line is below the lyrics, which will be familiar to you tenors and basses. Sopranos and altos will need a little bit of a mind shift to do that. Let's sing all on the melody for the first two verses. And then on the third verse, those of you who wish to uh, join on the Descant are welcome to do that.
1: time for our offerings. You may bring your offerings forward to the baskets or someone will come through the aisles and collect the offering. We also invite you to sign the friendship booklet and pass it to your left.
0: When I reach out for him, he is there. When I am lonely as I can be, then I know that God
4: Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks that we are, each one of us, part of your family. Each one of us is a child belonging to you. And we thank you that your spirit is at work among us. caring for us as a community, guiding us, leading us into the fullness of what it means to be your people. We are grateful for this offering, these gifts that you have given for us. We commit them, these resources, to your purposes. We ask your blessing upon this offering and upon each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Please remain standing for our sending hymn in the Green Sing the Journey book, number 76, The Lord Bless and Keep You, number 76.
1: Assalamu alaikum. alaykum. sea sobre Peace be unto you. God bless you.